0: Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's explanations, with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast episode 78. I'm Dr. Lindsay Doe. I'm in a parking lot in Las Vegas with Jenny, who is also science mom. Um, you live in, in the era and have offered to come beyond the explanations podcast and tell me about your experiences as science mom on YouTube and as a an, uh, former Mormon and mm-hmm. as a person who has been married for a while and
1: is sexually active am i missing anything else <laughs> nope i think we got it your mom i am a mom if that wasn't implied yep that's that's how i got my name science mom <laughs> <laughs> so how did you start doing science mom let's start there okay so when my oldest was in second grade this was almost 6 years ago now um his his teacher, I was I was going in each week and volunteering to help out with the reading program, and his teacher just happened to say offhand one day that she had cut most of her science curriculum because the new testing requirements just took up. She did so much time with test prep and testing that she had to drop science, and that just that just cut me. Mm-hmm. I, I have a master's in molecular biology. I love science and love science education, so when she said that. I asked her, can I come in each week? Can you just give me 15 minutes and I'll bring in like a real engaging science demonstration and do it for the class so that they get some science. And she said, she said, of course. And my my name had been Andrew's mom because my son's name is Andrew. And that's what all the kids called me, you know, Andrew's mom, Andrew's mom. And then when I began bringing in science each week, my name changed to Science Mom. Oh. And it just, it stuck and it grew really quickly because the other teachers saw me coming in and said, well, if you're coming in with this little 15 minute thing and you already have it prepared, like, do you want to swing by my classroom too? Whoa. And then the next year, all the teachers that I visited, you know, were like, well, you're coming back, right? And and I have three kids. And, you know, as the kids got older, you know, the each teacher who had had me come would say, well, I want you to come back. And it just became this thing real quickly where... I had a part-time job at a college where I was teaching, um, preparing students to go to graduate school. And then on my day off, you know, I was going and spending from opening bill to closing bill. I was just doing science lessons back to back. And I just loved it. And I, I remember kind of looking at looking at these two things I did and, you know, teaching about graduate school was fine. But <laughs> I, what I really loved was going and doing science with the kids. And I thought I I have to I have to switch these. I have to make science mom my job job because this is really what I love and what I feel drawn to. And so I started a YouTube channel and um, started publishing these little science activity books. And here we are.
0: Oh, that's so wonderful. And thank you for my toy. <laughs> You're so welcome. Jenny brought me this envelope a pink envelope with I would
1: describe it as tinsel that has been tied uh, at the end yeah yeah little tinsel orbs that you can levitate with either a balloon or a piece of pipe and it totally looks it totally looks like magic like when when I perform it in classrooms there's just the most fantastic reaction from the classes where you know kids will actually yell out like my mind is blown or like I can't believe it And it seems like magic, but it's static electricity. It's really awesome. Yeah. And what is the video called where you show it so Um, that they can see? Six static activities, I think, or six activities with static electricity. And I just kind of go through six little fun activities that you can do with static electricity. That's so cool. Yeah. All right.
0: So, want to talk about our, our breakfast chat? We just ate breakfast at a cafe and, um, Jenny and her partner were telling me about their experiences growing up in the Mormon church and how you, you were as a child and a mm-hmm. young adult, and then how you changed.
1: Yes, sure. So, so yeah, we'll talk about that a bit. And then I have a, I have a factor fiction quiz for you as well about strange, Um, I think so I think reproduction is fascinating, especially how bizarre it is in the animal world. So I have a quiz for you when we're done with that, too. Oh, Can we do it first? The quiz first?
0: Yeah. Yes. Let's do it in honor of the Sexplanations uh, Patreon supporters, Donna Flint, Zip Wah, the Millers, and Ben Trammell. Thank you all for supporting Sexplanations podcast. And also uh, know that Jenny, on science mom, has a Patreon page as well. And so you can go and support her there, all of us. On Patreon, appreciate the fact that there are strangers out there who say what we're doing is important, and they want to keep it going.
1: So awesome! This is for you. (laughs) Hopefully, (laughs) I will get some of the questions (laughs) correct. (coughs) Excuse me. I so I listened to a few of your podcasts, and the one where you did the quiz show. I'm. I was very impressed by your knowledge of random sexual facts about animals, so I think you'll probably do quite well, because I researched that (laughs) in advance. But good, I'm glad I impressed you. We'll find out. Okay, our first one. Fact or fiction. Komodo dragons can reproduce by parthenogenesis, or virgin birth. But when a female dragon effectively clones herself and has eggs without having sex with another dragon, all of her offspring are male. True or false? false it's actually true it's actually true i wanted them to all be female i was like let's just do this (laughs) all lady society it's so there are there are several um species that do asexual reproduction and clothe themselves and are all female but with the dragons it's really cool because they have reverse um they have what's called zw chromosome sex determination instead of xy so it's the reverse so in humans, it's the male that has both the X and the Y and, you know, the sperm determine what you get.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: with the dragons, it's the female who has the two different chromosomes, female, and then mated with Nemo to keep the population going. What is the difference between what you said? Just the tip yeah, It's the reverse. Just the gender's reverse. So blue-headed oh, okay. gobies, it's the male that's dominant and then the biggest female will become male if the male dies uh, and gotcha. be the dominant male. Okay, So that was kind of a sneaky one. I liked it. You taught me something. <laughs> Um, here's our third one: the ciliate tetra. And this scientific name, I might, I might mispronounce. Okay. hymena thermophila has seven genders. This tiny aquatic animal can mate and produce offspring with any six genders that are different than its own type. Have you done an episode on all of these? No. No, I looked these up just for you. Thank you. And I researched. Is this something that you can do on your
0: channel? Um. It, yeah, I suppose I could. Wow. Okay. I hope you do. Because gender is a really, um, you know, prominent, important topic right now. And I think that the next generation learning it as part of science, maybe in addition to social affairs or whatever, Mm -hmm. is is really important. Okay. Anyway, will you ask your
1: question again? I I was distracted by how happy I am that you're in the world. (laughs) (laughs) The ciliate Tetrahymena thermophila has seven genders. This tiny aquatic animal animal can mate and produce offspring with any six genders that are different than its own gender. True. Yes, that's completely true. And it's fascinating. Little This little animal has a fascinating life cycle because when conditions are good, it produces asexually and just clones itself. But then if conditions get to where they're not as good, it's like, ooh, let's like get more genetic variability. So that'll increase our chances of surviving You know, whatever's going on. And if you'd have 50-50, if there's um, two genders, that means you have a 50-50 chance of running into another individual and being able to mate with them and produce offspring. But if you have six out of seven genders you can produce offspring with, then your chance of successful reproduction is above 85% or right around there. So it's what a, is the common name for this species? Um, I couldn't. It's, it's kind of an obscure little like single-celled animal, a little ciliate okay. animal with like these little flagella hair all over it. I didn't find a, a common name for it, but Tetrahymena thermophila is a okay. scientific name i'm gonna i'm gonna look up it's it's a little cute face here tetra tetra hymen like the hymen yeah. uh thermophilia thermophila uh thermophila it's, thermo it's microscopic like a little just a little animal thermophilus Would be the, oh
0: yeah, it's super cute. Want to see? You've maybe already seen it. I like that picture. That's better than the ones I saw. Okay. How are we going to describe this to people? It kind of looks like a mango pit covered in fuzz. Fuzz. Uh, Like a, what are those, that fruit, what's that fruit called? Um,
1: That has all the spines. It reminds me of a burdock seed. Like those seeds that will like stick to your clothes when you're hiking. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So lots of little hairs and spines coming out. And then this particular picture, the, um, one of the nuclei is stained and has a beautiful blue color. It's beautiful,
0: everyone. And there's seven genders. I, you, we could do an entire episode on YouTube about this one species and seven genders. And
1: it would it affect has, the world it in has positive ways. really cool reproduction strategies. All right. You ready for number four? Yes. Okay. The female Neotrogla. This is a genus of small little fly, a little bark fly that lives in Brazil in caves. It has a penis, or I should say she has a penis. This female has a penis. She penetrates the male, extracts the sperm from him, and then she uses that sperm to fertilize her eggs. You're asking me true or false? Mm -hmm. Is that true or false? I hope it's true. It is true. It sounds fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) So um, not only is it true, but this like the little kind of... Society. These flies is really interesting because they live in a, a somewhat nutrient um, scarce area in these little caves, and they've documented the females draining males of seminal fluid before they're when they're too young to reproduce, Mm -hmm. just to like get the nutrients. So it's actually a rather vicious little community of flies,
0: where the females are
1: somewhat predatory. So
0: they're not just taking
1: the semen, but sometimes they're taking. Well, the the fluid has like nutrients that they get as well. So they get the semen. They get like, here's your genetic package to make you know make the next generation. But it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, and here are nutrients and water that you can use to you know, yeah. I have a similar feeling
0: about um, being fortunate with my sexual experiences as well, where I acknowledge that it went off well. Like I I didn't Mm -hmm. get sexually transmitted infections. I. I didn't become pregnant when I didn't want to. I I wasn't abused. I didn't hurt anyone. Um, and yet that's not because I was any better than anyone else. It's a lot of it is the, you know, Just luck the, yeah. <laughs>
1: fortune. Yes. Yeah, good fortune. Yeah. Serendipity definitely plays a big role in in our lives, I think. Just the the chance of yeah, who who you're with and how those really and timing. Timing plays a big role too. Because you you're saying that
0: that's a it's a, a risky path to kind of take for other people because essentially they're going from no experience with the arousal in their bodies, the physiology of mm-hmm. sexual experience, and then having full on yes intercourse, whatever that means for them.
1: It, it is risky, and I know it, in our case it it did go it, it went well, but I I have a lot of a lot of my close Mormon friends. Um, the wedding night was somewhat traumatic. For the woman, usually because um, it just things would go fast, and not both both of them not really knowing what to expect. There would be, you know, it can be painful the first time, especially, and for a lot of the women, it was just a a really big shock and more difficult than they had anticipated. Well,
0: yeah, if you have a a culture that is Mm -hmm. essentially prohibiting foreplay,
1: yeah, yeah, it can be it can be really it can be really tough. So, what did they do? Do you know from their experiences? well, um, in time and with practice, you know things improved okay and and for 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 everyone that I knew personally who shared their experiences with me it wasn't it wasn't too traumatic. it was just a difficult transition, yeah, okay, yeah, wow, so your first time was positive, it was positive um and it was yeah <laughs> our, it was our our wedding night and um but but I did. You know, I I did feel like even though it was positive and our relationship was good, Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to feel like I could enjoy intimacy without feeling guilty. Like I I did feel strong, kind of strong feelings of because, you know, for so many years before I got married, any feelings of sexual arousal were accompanied by such strong guilt of I should not feel this and I don't want to feel this. And this is only for marriage. And it's kind of tough to turn that off once you get married to say it's okay to be aroused. You know, you can tell yourself that, but that conditioning of so many years before marriage of saying it's, you know, you don't want to go there makes it real makes it difficult. So it took it took many years before I felt like I could enjoy the sexual activity without sort of feeling like, "Oh, I don't know if I can feel this." Wow. How how many years? <laughs> oh, I mean it was it was a gradual process, but um and and I I and I I know others had more difficult experiences with that that shame. That sort of guilt than I did, but I would say it was, it was at least a couple years, wow. probably about two years before I sort of felt like we eased into a more comfortable pattern with our intimate behavior, and I felt, I felt more comfortable with it. But then it was really, really it wasn't until we stepped away from church activity that then I felt like I completely accepted that it's okay to feel pleasure with sexual activity. So,
0: so I know why you left the Mormon Church because you. You told me over bagels, yes, um, but could you tell the audience in case they're curious?
1: oh, um yeah, r- r- just really, really briefly um I'll, I'll say that we we we're we're part of what i I would term the sacrifice to generation when it comes to mormonism that we we grew up with sort of an old school there's anti mormon lies about our history, and then here's our history, and then with the internet age, some of those things changed, and things that we had grown up believing were anti mormon lies like what um um, for like Joseph, Joseph Smith's um, polyandry, you know the way that he practiced polygamy. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that that now are in essays that the church has published, and are you know presented as this is what happened in our history. When I was a teenager, those same things I was told were that's that's lies that anti Mormons made up about our history. So when when we when we faced that, we sort of came to a place where for for a variety of reasons, and I won't won't go into them all here, but um for. On social issues and with historical issues, we we felt like the church hadn't been honest and wasn't taking um, an ethical stance, like especially towards um, homosexual and people of other sexual orientations. Mm-hmm. And it, we we felt like we couldn't be honest while still and support the church. So we left.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's a big decision.
1: Yeah, that is.
0: Because it's my understanding of it is that it's a community it's a culture right it's, it's it, it, how you express
1: your traditions it, mm-hmm. and the, the clothes you wear and the lifestyle you have it is it's it's more than a religion and i think most religions are it's your it's your cultural identity it's your community and so you're, you're stepping away not just from a belief but from your social circle and you know your identity as a person as well so it's a tough tough transition but anyway if there are people out there questioning your faith
0: they're questioning your faith if there are people out there questioning their faith mm-hmm. is there any feedback
1: you would give them um mostly I, I mean experiences can be so varied i mostly i would just want to express condolences and a feeling of like support that at any time you reevaluate like anytime you closely evaluate what you believe and have conflicts between your personal integrity and your faith it's really it's really challenging and can be painful and I mostly would just want to kind of give a virtual hug and say it'll be okay. Whether you come to a place of stronger faith or decide to leave your faith, I think the the experience of honestly and deeply evaluating why and what you believe, is, you'll be better off for it, even if it's painful at the time. Jenny,
0: I like it. Thank you. That's very kind. Uh, for people who might be going into a similar situation with their first time, mm-hmm. where they—I think for all of us, despite our backgrounds—go into it with a sense of unknowing. What advice would you give there?
1: Oh boy, um, education is certainly <laughs> <laughs> education is important. Um, I, I mean, we—I gave my husband, my my husband. I mean, we just barely got married, and we we actually read a book as we were driving to our the hotel where our honeymoon was to take place <laughs> where i was like all right we just need to we need to kind of be on the page same page where we like know the biology because i knew that i had a pretty strong background in biology but i wasn't entirely sure if he knew all the facts and so <laughs> I mean I, he grew he grew up on a farm like I knew he knew kind of the basics basic mechanics of reproduction but I we had a his needs her needs was the name of the book where it had a, a what I felt like was a decently good chapter on sex where it just sort of went through like this is this is the biological process and these are some of the things and and as we were reading it um there were several moments where he was like oh I didn't know that one, one thing in particular it talked about how for for men commonly right after they ejaculate like, they just kind of come down where they're no longer aroused. Whereas a woman, after she comes and has an orgasm, she will often still be aroused. Mm-hmm. And so for the man to ejaculate and then just like hop up and take a shower and be like, oh, I'm done. That it's awful. Is. Yes. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so awful. That, and and that's one thing that I remember in particular, you know, as we were reading the books, Serge was like, well, that seems kind of, You I know, mean, my husband was like, well, that seems kind of strange, but like good to know. And then, you know, later on we both sort of commented like, that was a nice thing to know because that sort of was his... Natural reaction was to be like, oh, we're done, I'll get up. But because we had read about that and kind of talked about how I was, you know, that was not the nicest way to do things, it it sort of (sighs) helped avoid some hurt feelings. So, I mean, even simple things like that to just understand the way that the hormones work, the way that arousal works, I think it really helps. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also nice. Uh, there can be so much expectation set up around the first time and your hopes for, you know, that it should just be amazing. And I think sometimes the first time is romanticized in music and popular culture as well as being somehow phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, especially for, for a female, the first time can be painful. mm mm-hmm and it's kind of tough to know like what's normal pain what's you know like cuz you've never done it before. Yes. Yeah. Um so I think to just enter it with with an attitude of exploration and not expectations that are set too high. That you know this isn't going to be the only time. This is the first like it's a learning process. And that's kind of how we both looked at it as like boy we've got something really interesting and strange to figure out together and it's going to take a while to figure out. And I think that helped. Our First time not to be too not to have too much pressure attached to it. Wow,
0: I wish I had your counsel <laughs> when I went into my first time experience. Mine, mine was also really positive, but even just yeah, having another person to say that that exploration is positive and mm-hmm. that it's gonna be okay, you know, whichever direction it goes in, mm-hmm. you'll come out on the other side. All, all of your supportive words. I hope help the listeners if they haven't already experienced a first time or they have a first time with someone new or
1: mm-hmm. a new job or a new
0: house, whatever that looks like.
1: I hope so too. And I it's nice if we can try and get a get away from this checklist mentality that I think we often have, not only with first time with intimacy, but I think first time with like going to a natural park. I think there's this like <laughs> I think there's this feeling of like you have to hit all the boxes and it has to be Instagram worthy and just amazing. And I think like, especially going and visiting a natural park, I see a lot of people who are so focused on like getting the good picture. Mm -hmm. So even with going to a national park, I feel like there's often this pressure that people have to, you know, get the Instagram worthy picture to kind of hit this checklist of experiences. Mm -hmm. And they're so focused on kind of crafting this experience that they feel like they're supposed to get that they miss miss out on actually being there. And I feel like there's this, if we're not careful, I think there's this societal pressure around our first time where we can look back and then like have this remorse of like, oh, it wasn't as fantastic as the songs made it sound like it should be. And somehow like I failed and we shouldn't, we should try to avoid that and focus more on the exploration of it and just the newness and sort of the fun of exploring with someone that, you know, that that is new to us or that that should be something we focus on more and try and avoid that. Yeah, that pressure yeah yeah stay
0: stay curious <laughs> that, that kind of thing <laughs> stay curious oh, I think I needed to hear that going on the road tour there's been a lot of stopping at beautiful places and I, I do I feel like there's a way that it should be happening and there's a way that I should be experiencing band life or you know talking yeah. to people that I meet and I I appreciate the reminder that it doesn't have to be a checklist or look one way but that it's really part of it's it's It can focus so much more on the learning and the being and the present. Mm -hmm. So thank you. You're welcome. Is there anything else you want us to know? Um,
1: I don't think so. want to do kegels? Main
0: squeeze,
1: squeeze it good. Uh, Oh, that's right. Yes, let's do some kegels.
0: Okay. Um, Do you have a favorite way of doing
1: them? Do you do kegels? Um, I do not do kegels as often as I should. Speaking
0: (laughs) of... (laughs) Um, there's this thing called
1: the Sex Explanations Podcast (laughs) and
0: every week we do kegels. So for me, at least, that's how I get them done is that I do them on the podcast and then while reviewing the podcast. But yeah, um, we can just do a squeeze for eight, kind of like, um, how do I describe it to people? Going up an elevator Mm -hmm. for eight counts where you're kind of drawing your pubic muscles in and then hold it for eight. And then lower the elevator down.
1: Okay. I like it. Let's do it.
0: All right. I'm going to count up eight and then I'm going to hold eight for eight counts and then
1: count down. Okay. I'll do my best. Okay.
0: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 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 eight. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three,
1: two, one. So where I started laughing—that's <laughs> that's the point where I have a hard time holding. Where I was like, "Oh boy, I don't know if I can keep it tight that long." So,
0: ooh, we're gonna get
1: you stronger. Yeah. So I got to, I got to do these more. Yeah, they're they're
0: good. They help with orgasms, childbirth, uh, incontinence, reducing uterine prolapse. Yes, yes, exactly. Lots of benefits. Tons. And you're a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Experimentation. Yes. Good. All right. So, sextra credit. Now you can practice home. Like gives you
1: sextra credit. Yes, I have a sextra credit assignment that I that I think is a wonderful one. I hope our listeners will like. I hope your listeners will like it too. So my, my sex credit is to buy feminine hygiene products. And here's, here's why. Let me kind of share (laughs) a little story. So, and, and I, I mentioned, you know, when we got, when we got married, how, how new we both were to everything involving intimacy. Well, about a week after we got married, my, I had my period and my cycle came and, you know, my husband was very curious about like, oh man, like, you know, you're going to bleed like, and he knew menstruation happened. And so I, you know, it started and I kind of yell from the bathroom, like, oh, my period started. Do you want to come see? And he comes in and he's all curious and he looked down and he saw the amount of blood that there was and his face like noticeably blanched just a little bit. He's like, are you going to be okay?
0: I was like, oh yeah, this is totally
1: normal. He said, so how long does it last? A couple hours? I said, oh no, like a week. And he (laughs) he almost fainted. Like it was such a shock to him that... So the amount of blood that he saw, you know, he was like that alone was alarming. But then the fact that it would last a week, he was just, he was horrified. And so, you know, I'm looking at him and he's completely blanched, like turned white, like is, you know, like arm against the the frame of the door in the bathroom for like support. And he just can't believe that it's going to last a week. And I can't believe that he's surprised because he had three sisters. (laughs) And so so I asked, I was like, you had three sisters growing up? Like, did you never notice, you know, the things in the trash can by the bathroom? And Mm -hmm. well, the sisters, like the boys and the girls in the family use different bathrooms, which I just thought was weird. (laughs) And they never talked about it, which I thought was weirder because in my family, we were fairly open about like bodily functions were not a taboo thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, I, I really think that the more that we can talk about menstruation in normal conversation and just make it not a taboo thing the better because there can be a lot of shame and, and other issues associated with it especially if women feel like they can't talk about it so my the extra credit assignment is if you are um, especially if you have kids um, buy feminine hygiene products at the store and don't be shy you know talking about what they're for if you are in a family of all males and you don't have any females, you can buy one pack of very small tampons and just have them in your first aid kit because they're the most excellent thing for a bad bloody nose. You just cut them in half <laughs> yeah. and stick it up the nostril. And anyway, they're, they're a good thing to have on, on hand just in case you ever have a bad nosebleed. And then you can explain to your, your child that in addition to being good for plugging up a bad nosebleed, they're also designed and used for plugging you know, when you bleach from the uterus. So wow. there you
0: go. I love it. And I would say um, to all of the people out there that just keep them in their bathrooms for guests to use is so nice.
1: It is. And, and
0: out in the open, right? Because guests don't want to go through your vanity and look for uh, hygiene products. So it's great that they're just kept there in the back of the toilet or whatever. And, and look like a sex positive person. Yes. You guys got hand and pads and, condoms right out there in the open so great sex to credit thank you so thoughtful oh my goodness
1: well um where can we find you um you can find me online at um, youtube.com slash science mom and then if, actually if you just google science mom the youtube channel and my website will be one of the first first two things that pop up so. awesome yep
0: and are you on social medias
1: yes <laughs> um, and and those are all linked um, to the, okay. the YouTube channel Perfect. so yeah I'm on Twitter and Facebook and
0: you can find me there yeah so people can yep. message you yeah. and say thanks for teaching us about kangaroo babies and yes, uh, and,
1: uh, ciliate with seven yeah. genders and <laughs> Zeus's <laughs>
0: sly
1: cranium <laughs> <laughs> <Ukrainian> birth <laughs> Yes, you're
0: clearly very educated and curious, and I'm so glad that we did this oh, after thank our you. breakfast. What a great treat for the day! Oh,
1: this was so fun to talk to you. Thank you, and likewise, it was, it was very delightful to have this conversation.
0: Thank you, Jenny. Please check her out, Science Mom on YouTube, and uh, teach the things to the the people in your lives. They don't have to be kids. You don't have to be a mom. You don't have to be a scientist. Just have fun learning. Yes. Um, yeah, and. <laughs> and we'll all keep doing our giggles. I also want to give a special thanks to our patrons again: Donna Flint, Zippo, the Millers, Ben Trammell, and Count Boogie for the jingles, and Cora and Paro. I'm still learning.